0: I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. At first blush, George W. Bush and Barack Obama wouldn't seem to share much in common. The two presidents differ not only in style and temperament, but also in their approach to economic policy, healthcare reform, and foreign affairs. But in a new article in Education Next, Paul Peterson argues that the two presidents pursued the same basic strategy when it comes to education policy, and that a new approach will be required to put American schools on the right track. I'm Marty West, executive editor of Education Next, and I'm joined today by Paul Peterson himself. Paul's the editor-in-chief of Education Next and sometime host of this podcast. He's also the author of the article I just mentioned, The End of the Bush-Obama Regulatory Approach to School Reform, which appears in the journal's summer 2016 issue, and is available now at educationnext.org. Thanks for taking the time to talk,
1: Paul. Well, thank you, Marty. It's uh, great to be chatting with you today.
0: So, Paul, the argument that Obama and Bush took the same basic approach to education policy is one that's often heard from critics on the left, like Diane Ravitch. She wrote recently, the Obama administration, although it promised change when it came to office, in effect picked up precisely the same themes as the George W. Bush administration, which are testing and
1: choice. Are you saying that she's basically correct? Well, half correct. Uh, They both did emphasize testing. And there's some point about the choice uh, argument as well, because uh, George Bush couldn't push choice as much as he wanted to. Uh, and Obama didn't push choice hardly at all. So uh, I would say it's an oversimplification, but uh, basically when it comes to regulation, both Bush and Obama placed heavy bets on that strategy.
0: So say more about what you mean by the regulatory approach to school reform that you say defines the approach taken by both administration. What is the regulatory approach?
1: Well, you know, the federal government has left local school decision-making pretty much alone for two centuries, and it's really not until the 21st century that you get an aggressive federal government uh, telling what uh, schools what to do, apart from desegregation. I mean, you get the court cases, you get some legal activities by the courts, but uh, from the congressional executive branches of government, you really don't have a lot of direction until the 21st century. Now, No Child Left Behind changes that. And a lot of people have made a great deal out of the fact that Obama did not enforce No Child Left Behind, but really he kept in place a lot of the elements that uh, Bush had put into place. So you're thinking of test-based accountability as an
0: example of a regulatory approach to school reform. I think a lot of people would make a distinction between sort of outcome-based accountability and the regulation of inputs, which the federal government did do some, uh, did do some of, in the 20th century with the Elementary and Secondary Education Act, telling districts that they needed to spend federal dollars at least only for specific purposes, that they needed to serve special education students in certain ways. Uh, so, y- you don't see that distinction as one that's uh, really fundamental.
1: Well, the. Uh Federal government has always had authority over how federal dollars are to be spent. So the fact that Title I was being uh, allocated out and saying you need to uh, target this on uh, students who are of low income, uh, that was really the only specific thing that they were focusing on. Exactly how to do that was, was the question, but they weren't telling people at the local level what to do in order to uh, compensate for disadvantage. Now, the special ed is another matter. Special ed, I think, had huge bipartisan support when it was passed initially back in 1974. And it's true that uh, it was not only federal dollars that were uh, uh, guided by that law, it was also the case for state and local money. Uh, Nonetheless, standing behind that were two court decisions that were pretty much driving education policy Mm -hmm. in that direction uh, quite apart from any preferences coming out of Washington. And when you talk about outcome regulation, I mean, that's really important. I mean, if you're going to really say, okay, we're going to hold you accountable, we're going to hold you accountable for students' learning, that is really something new. It is really fundamentally different from what anything the federal government had done in the past.
0: And you argue not just that Bush and Obama shared this common approach to outcome regulation and that this was an extension of federal authority, but that ultimately this approach hasn't borne
1: fruit. Uh, What's your argument there? Well, you know, I supported uh, accountability. I supported testing. I still support testing. Uh, I just think that uh, if you look at the reality you you get some benefits from it in terms of student performance of the National Assessment of Educational Progress. Uh, For the uh, first years of the program when the Bush administration was aggressively enforcing it and state and local governments were concerned about showing to the community that their students were indeed uh, performing at a proficient level, but five, six, seven years into the program. Political support for the testing regime waned substantially. Teacher unions attacked it. State and local government officials attacked it. Schools explained that even though they weren't bringing students up to the proficient level, not to worry about it because Uh, Those tests don't really mean that much. And uh, the media lost interest in broadcasting uh, how each and every school was performing. So a lot of the initial pressure that made that regulatory regime look successful in the first years of the Bush administration changed. And when the Obama administration came in, they basically said, well, we're going to keep the testing, uh, but we're going to come." come up with an alternative enforcement mechanism. We're going to have race to the top. We're going to give states incentives to try to come up with uh, plans that will conform with what we want, uh, or we'll give uh, states waivers. That was the second step they took, and uh, as long as they do what we want. And so, yes, they got a change in the definition of what the federal government wanted, but they still were being asked to do what the feds uh, uh, said they should do. Now, did this all work out? Well, if you look at how student performance has, uh, what's happened to it on the national assessment for the last eight years, it's really fallen dramatically. We don't see that we're getting any progress out of the waning days of NCLB regulation or the substitutes that the Obama administration uh, put into place. To be clear, you're saying not that
0: performance has fallen in absolute terms, but that it's stopped climbing.
1: Right, I mean, you do see some uh, decline in uh, absolute terms among whites and blacks in uh, eighth grade, mathematics, you actually see a decline, believe it or not, which is seldom recorded. You've always seen some creep up. But instead of getting the double-digit gains that you were getting in the Bush administration, they're down to, you know, three, two-point gains, or if if any.
0: So if Obama and Bush took this common approach that you're characterizing as regulatory reform, what are the alternatives? What might they have done?
1: Well, of course, uh, Choice competition is the alternative strategy for reform. I mean, there's a really only two ways that government can try to get what they want out of uh, a domain in society. Either they can put some regulations on the businesses or the Uh, local entities that are executing the task they say you got to do it this way or that way that's one strategy the other strategy is to just say okay we're going to make sure there's a level playing field and we're going to have a lot of competition among entities now, that's what the federal government has done with the Sherman Act, the antitrust law. And it, it did that with the airline industry when they deregulated it. And they did that with the communications industry when the courts broke up at and So there is an alternative reform strategy out there and it's proven very successful most of the times that it's been attempted. So what we have in uh, education is some efforts in that regard. And Bush did push that. He wanted more money for charter school uh, uh, building he he did support the voucher program he tried to get that into No Child Left Behind but basically you know, very weak efforts have been made in that direction and we've seen the Obama administration you know at most they've been saying okay you should have some more charter schools as part of your waiver plan but they really haven't put any muscle behind that requirement
0: I'd push you a little bit on the Obama administration's support for charter schools, which I think has actually been quite vigorous and more so, I would say, than the Bush administration. They've uh, really pushed for additional funding of the charter schools program, gives direct grants to states to start charter schools, and created a new program directly for the replication and expansion of high-performing charter schools. But I would also say that it's very hard to figure out if – you're committed at the federal level as a president or as a member of Congress to choice as your preferred strategy for reform to figure out how to really advance a
1: choice agenda from Washington, D.C. Well, you can condition federal aid on uh, the money follows the child, for example. That has been proposed as an alternative federal strategy. Uh, That's probably the best thing that Washington can do. And I'm not saying that Washington really needs to do this. I think this really has to come from the state level. I don't think it's going to come from the local level. I don't think local districts are going to give up their authority over the schools, except in unusual circumstances such as Chester, Pennsylvania, or New Orleans, Louisiana. But it's mostly going to come at from the state level. And, and in fact, it was from the state level in both New Jersey and in uh, and Louisiana where the initiative uh, began. So uh, yes, it's gonna be a um, state-led reform movement if we're gonna have choice and competition in education. If that's the case,
0: how much difference does a president really make when it comes to American education policy?
1: (laughs) Well, you know, Ronald Reagan got out there and just uh, used the bully pulpit and you see some pretty amazing things happening Uh, especially among African-Americans whose scores escalate during the 1980s, something Ronald Reagan has never been given credit for. And if you look at what happened to SAT scores, after having fallen for two decades, they stabilize and reverse themselves and go up. So what Reagan did was just simply talk about it and and brought Bill Bennett in. And he carried on, too, and uh, said, oh, we got to do this and that and the other. And, you know, it's, would this work over the long run? I have no idea, but I think presidents can do more to set the agenda for the society as a whole than the federal government can do by uh, imposing uh, regulations on other institutions in society.
0: So what advice then would you have for a President Hillary Clinton or, dare I say it, Donald Trump? What should they take away from your analysis?
1: Uh, Well, the next president is probably going to be uh, constrained to do what Congress has already enacted into law. The uh, ESSA has really turned a lot of authority over to local governments. Uh, Obama now may be trying to capture as much authority in the Department of Education as he can. There's been some moves in that direction. Uh, I doubt that very much can be done, and I think essentially the decision has been made. I don't think the next president is going to be decisive. I think the the next president could do the most by uh, focusing on the importance of a high-quality educational system if the United States is going to have the kind of economic growth it needs in the 21st century. I think that that message needs to be put across to the American people constantly, all the time. You can't just sort of uh, uh, say it one day and let it go. It's got to be a part of the agenda uh, of the national administration. I think that is a better approach to education reform.
0: So use the bully pulpit, be a cheerleader, and then uh, call on states to respond.
1: And hope that states actually will be able to respond. Yes, I don't think you can compel them to.
0: Well, uh, let's hope that the next president, whoever he or she is, uh, listens to your advice. Thanks, Paul, for taking the time to talk. Again, Paul's article, The End of the Bush-Obama Regulatory Approach to School Reform, is available now at educationnext.org. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.